Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan Brand unis during my time. All right, let's jump into the social media real quick. You can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, all the different social media outlets. Let's start with Twitter and Instagram, Alex underscore Meacham, M-E-A-C-H-A-M. You can find me on Facebook, just Alex Meacham, M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on LinkedIn. Hit me up on Snapchat at Big Meach 41. All right, we've got to start with this. I know we have uh, an episode, gosh, I don't know how many ago, where we talked about the death of Kobe Bryant. Well, today was Kobe Bryant's celebration of life. And the, the, the crazy thing is, it's 2-24-20. That's the date today. And I, I didn't even really process it or realize it, you know, until I woke up. And... I had a lot of things going on today. Uh, I had to run a couple different events for the basketball program that I run. And um, I, I just could not watch the celebration of life today. It was, it was just too emotional for me. Um, I, I started to watch. I think Beyonce started it off. Uh, she sang a song. And then um, Jimmy Kimmel came on. And then I knew I know um, Vanessa. Kobe's wife was going to speak, and I just said, man, I, I can't watch this right now. I've got to watch it later in the evening before I go to bed. I'll be a mess all day just hearing the stories, and it just felt like – I don't want to go off on a, on a, on a Kobe uh, rant or anything right now, but just being a basketball guy, it just – it felt like, you know, you knew Kobe. Like, I didn't know Kobe – but everybody knew Kobe, and not only was he a, in the States, a huge star from Philly in that area. Obviously, he's loved and adored. Um, he's, he's L.A.'s own. And, and, and the crazy thing, I, I heard this on TV today. I thought this was an interesting statement. If you, if you think about Los Angeles and you think about how divided the pockets of Los Angeles are, you know, you've got the wealthy, the Hollywood Hills, you got Compton, South Central. You've got all these different pockets and areas, and they're separated. But there's one thing, there's one thing that brings Los Angeles together, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers. And it was very evident, you know, during Kobe's time, you know, now with LeBron there, prior to Kobe. If you go to a Lakers game, you'll see so many different types of people in the audience from from all different parts of Los Angeles, all there for one you know common thing, and that, that's to watch great basketball. And, and of course, the Lakers have had some of the greatest players of of all time, and Magic Johnson, one of my favorite players to ever watch. But you know, at the end of the day, Kobe Bryant um, was just one of those those special players that. You know he's he's become Laker basketball. He was he he was a combination of everything that's that's Los Angeles. With um, he had the glitz, he had the glamour, but man, dude was tough. He had that Compton, he had that 
South that South LA. He had, he had just a mix of everything. He was Los Angeles, but but even bigger than that, Kobe was such an international star. I mean, the dude spoke multiple languages. Um, I just heard today that Gigi, his, his daughter, that that passed away with him, she was fluent in Mandarin and Spanish. I mean, that's. That's insane. Like, and, and, and Kobe was the same way. He was so cultured, and, and people in foreign countries loved that dude. I mean, first of all, his name, Kobe, you know, that's after a stake. And, you know, there's, I think, in Japan. So he was big over there. And just, you know, basketball players in general are, are I think, big international stars at this point. But his uh, celebration of life, which I haven't watched yet, I heard that uh, Michael Jordan spoke. And so I got I to gotta get home and watch that. I've not looked on social media and I haven't watched any of the clips because I, I want to watch it from the beginning to end and really absorb everything so um but I do have a quick story real quick it does tie into Kobe but um I, I run a one of the things I do also is I run a, a basketball program I have over 30 AU teams from fifth grade all the way up to uh, seniors to be and so our teams, you know, they, we have tryouts. We put them together on teams. Some teams are travel. Some teams are local. And they'll go around and, and, and play in tournaments. And we've had – so I've been doing it 19 years now. So we have a lot of kids that have gone on and played college basketball. Um, we have some that are playing professionally. And in fact, before we started this podcast, we were talking about one of, uh, one of our former Shining Star players named Quan Cheatham. Uh, from Akron, who's now currently playing professionally overseas, uh, doing very, very well. And so we, we've been doing this for a while. And in 19 years of being involved in not only basketball but youth sports, you see a lot and you hear a lot. But there was one time, and I'll never forget this, and no one ever believes me, but my one coach was there and he always co-signs this story. We had an AAU tryout. This was about four years ago, and when the, when the kids come into our tryouts, they fill out these things called data sheets, and it gives me all their information, their name, school, email, just all the stuff we need. So this was a sophomore level tryout, and occasionally... Like my staff likes to mess with me. They'll do something to, you know, you know, kind of lighten the mood and, and joke with me. So I'm looking through the data sheets at tryouts while the kids are participating in the tryout. And I pick out this sheet and I'm like, all right, who's messing with me? The name on the tryout data sheet is Kobe Bryant. K-O-B-E. Bryant, spelled just like Kobe Bryant. All the data information from there is, is like normal information. It had the kids' email, uh, Northwest High School, all this stuff. And I'm like, who put Kobe Bryant? So I go to my staff, and I'm like, all right, which, which one of you all put Kobe Bryant? And all of them are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, all right, we, we got to get to the bottom of this. So we call all the kids together, and there's probably about 45 or so kids at the tryout. We sit them all down. I've got this sheet, and I'm like, all right, who put Kobe Bryant down on this sheet? I need your real name. So this kid stands up, and he raises his hand. And I look at him. I'm like, what's your real name? And he's like, Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, I look at my my coach, DeMarco Johnson, 
who's currently coaching at Princeton High School. And uh, I look at DeMarco, and he looks at me, and he's like, nah, we need to see your ID. So now DeMarco's like, he's, he's ticked off because Kobe is DeMarco's favorite basketball player of all time. So he, he's like, all right, kid, this is not funny now. The kid goes and gets his ID, brings it over, and shows us Kobe Bryant, spelled exactly like Kobe Bryant. And we could not, we were, we were shook for like an hour, like, yo, they really named him Kobe Bryant. And so everybody always asked me the question, was he good? Nope. <laughs> he was not. I shouldn't even I shouldn't even say that because it might get back to the kid, but he was uh he was definitely not Kobe Bryant good. Oh uh, anyway. All right, so let's let's jump in. Um here's what we're gonna go over here in this podcast. We are gonna talk about uh several of the games that uh, the Bearcats not only have just had, but also uh the next three games, which are very important. So let's start with this. All right. And I, I'm just going to talk about it just very quickly, and that is the Central Florida game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, after – think about this. The Bearcats played four overtime games, Central Florida being the only one of those four that went into double overtime. So they went into overtime with UConn, Memphis, ECU – and then Central Florida was double overtime. Um, now, listen, the UConn game, they win by one. You know, hey, conference game on the road, we win. Great. Let's get, let's get out of there. Um, the Memphis game, um, I'm sorry, the UConn game, they, they, they lose. I'm sorry. They lose the UConn game. It's like, hey, you know, you lose. Just get, get out of there. Let's regroup. we got to beat Memphis. So play Memphis. Um, and I'm going to tell you what, that Memphis game, the energy – in the arena really pushed I'm telling you really pushed that group to the next level um, so they win that game in in overtime uh, go down to ECU which I was extremely nervous about I thought that was one of those games where you know you go down to ECU it's a trap game there's only eight people in the stands um, but hey win it in overtime find a way so things are starting to trend the right way. So you look at the schedule and you think, okay, we're going to play Central Florida at home. We should win that game. Let's prepare for Wichita State. You start winning these games here. We're a lock for the NCAA tournament. And the group comes out and loses to, to UCF in double overtime. And, and the thing about the Central Florida game that was, that was so tough was you could just – it was almost like – it was almost like somebody running a marathon that started off a little too fast, right? So towards some point during that marathon, you start to see them fatigue. You start to see them slow down. The body starts to get a little weak. Well, if you look at prior to the Central Florida game, all of those overtime games – they were starting to wear down that Central Florida. You've got guys that are banged up. You've got guys that are hurt. You got guys that are mentally fatigued. And listen, injuries injuries are tough, right? But we'll tell you this. Mental fatigue in sports is almost in some cases tougher than those nagging injuries you, you have. Um, 
and, and listen, college basketball seasons are, are long. It's, it's a grind. It's a grind for these kids because you've got to factor in a couple different things. You're practicing. You're practicing, you know, three hours, a couple times a week. You've got weightlifting. You know, you've got all these things that film sessions, meetings, games, travel. Plus, you've got school. You've got all those things that go into being a student athlete. Whereas you look at uh, NBA players, and listen, the NBA grind is a whole nother level, 82 games. You know, that's, a, that's a definitely a tough grind. But that's their job. Their job is to play basketball and prepare their bodies. That is their 9 to 5 or 9 to 10, whatever you want to call it. That's their job. Whereas with college basketball players, if their job's basketball, they also have a part-time job with school. Well, I don't mean to call, you know, downplay school, but you understand what I'm saying. There's, there's a lot going on with these student athletes and they get mentally fatigued. They get worn down. I think we saw that a lot in the UCF game and we started to see, um, there was a point in the game that you could start to see them just wearing down. I want to say the end of the first half in that UCF game, I think Jaron Cumberland gave up um, a rebound and UCF player laid it up um, at the end of the half. And John Brandon sprinted off the court. And I knew, I said to myself, Coach Brandon is going to rip them at halftime in the locker room. The Bearcats are going to come out fired up and they're going to win this basketball game. Bearcats come out and they played almost as bad that second half as they did that end of the first half. And that's what I went. These dudes are tired. They're fatigued. They're banged up. So I thought it was a game, though, that we could find a way to win. Find a way to win, rest up, and prepare for Wichita State. Uh, unfortunately, it was not the case. Couldn't find a way to get it done. Lose 87-89 to in two OTs against Central Florida, which then puts you in position. It's like, okay, does, does UC's resume warrant them going to the NCAA tournament? Are they a bubble team? Are they out? And a lot of people have a, a lot of different opinions on this. And listen, I'm not good at all the bracketology stuff. That's not really – my, my forte or, or what I'm strong at, at breaking down, down and analyzing. But I, I, I tell you this, I think with how inconsistent this basketball team's been, with some of the bad losses they've had, and they've had some really, really good wins, but with the bad losses, and I think the resume right now, my opinion, you, you've got to find a way to win out. And people are like, oh, win the next, you know, three out of four, two out of three, you're, you're, you're in. No. The, the focus has to be to win out. You don't want to put them in any position where there's questions. So, and that starts with Wichita State. That's, that's my thought process. It starts with Wichita State. So they go out and, you know, I was, I was definitely concerned about the Wichita State game from a standpoint of, are they, are they still fatigued mentally? Are they still banged up? But I felt like the fan base 
everyone in Fifth Third Arena would fire up this Bearcat basketball team when, when they would start to go through some of their different lulls. They would really fire them up to win this basketball game. And there's another thing. Here's probably – if I could say probably the best thing I could say about this team is not only how inconsistent they've been, but they always find ways to win games in the most unpredictable way. So think about this. They beat Wichita State. I don't know what Wichita State's, what, 20-7 and seven now, something like that. Um, good record, strong wins. They, they beat them. Keith Williams – our most athletic guy, one of our best players, plays 12 minutes, zero points. I mean, that's got to be one of Keith Williams' worst games all year. I, I can't remember prior to that, but this year is one of his worst games. Plays 12 minutes, zero points. Um, Big Chris. Big Chris plays 34 minutes, two points, and his confidence offensively is gone. And I think they have to find a way to – get that confidence back. Now, if you go back and watch, rewind the tape and watch the Wichita State game, a couple things. They started the first half. They started the second half throwing the uh, ball to uh, Chris. They were throwing it to him. So that tells me that they want to get him engaged early, but then after they threw it to him a couple times, they stopped throwing it to him. I think he's got to post up stronger. He's got to want the ball. He's got to be aggressive. And then on top of it, his teammates have to have confidence in him. So if they're throwing him the ball, if Jaron Cumberland's throwing Chris the ball, he's got to have that confidence that Chris is going to go up with confidence. And that's not happening right now. And, I, and I'm going to tell you what, and I'm going to break down some of these games coming up at Houston and so forth. Uh, we, we need Chris uh, very involved with this basketball team moving forward, both um, offensively scoring and also on the rebounding end because he only had four, I think four rebounds against Wichita State. It's not, it's not good enough right now. Um, Trey Scott, I mean, you, you talk about um, a typical Bearcat, um, one of those Bearcat players that just grinds it out, and by the time they become a senior, they put in so much time, put in so much sweat equity. Um, you see the results of all that. And you're seeing that right now with Trey Scott. And he's been a double-double machine. And, and gosh, you look back at some of these games, the double-doubles he's having with 20 rebounds is just – I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, the kid's playing at a very high level. He's very, very confident. Um, he finished that Wichita State game, uh, 8 points, 11 rebounds. I uh, wish he would have got, you know, 10 points to, you know, keep that double-double streak going. I tell you what. Trey Scott is working himself out into a uh, an NBA draft workout for sure. I mean, they'd they'd be they'd be a fool not to bring him to a workout. He's that athletic that he needs to be there. Um, Mike Adams Wood, he's just he's consistent. He played 29 minutes, seven points, um, just just really consistent. Um, I, th that kid's future as the point guard for the Bearcat basketball team is very very bright. Uh, Jaron Cumberland, let me talk about Jaron because I've got some some thoughts on him. 34 minutes, 24 points. Um, Jaron's free throw shooting is is bizarre at times. You know, he'll miss he'll miss two free throws at like a time where you're like, man, he, he's got to make these. Um, he 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 makes some when it's just like crucial. He finds a way, but it's just bizarre how 
he he misses so many free throws and i think he's you know I, I think he's a good free throw shooter i think he's a good shooter um but jaron and i've said this before on my past podcast i'm gonna say this again when it's all said and done we're gonna look back and we're really gonna be thankful for what jaron's done for the program and for this team i mean the dude has played hurt through so many games he's gutted it out he he got hurt several times during the wichita state game um, the dude is really, really banged up, but he is playing through it. He's playing through so many different things. And I hear, I hear fans like, oh, he's throw, he throw lazy passes. Uh, he takes bad shots. The, the offense becomes stagnant with him. And some of those things are true at times. Uh, but I think some of that's a result of he's tired, he's hurt, um, but he's just trying to gut it out. He wants to be out there to help this basketball team win. And I think Jaron Cumberland's going to get a lot more pr praise and love after it's all said and done uh, when the season finishes up and people start to hear what really Jaron played through uh, this season. Um, one thing with the Wichita State game, too, Mamadou. Mamadou came in. How about Mamadou shooting that three, man? Uh, <laughs> and the whole crowd, it was like <laughs> when Mamadou uh, shot that three, it was like, no, yeah, dudes. <laughs> and dude's, dude's such a, he, he's a, he's a, he's such a good dude. Like, he really, truly, I've gotten to know Mamadou really well. He's just a kind-hearted, really good kid. He tries. His basketball IQ was low when he got here, and it's improved a tremendous amount. He still has a long way to go. He's still learning a lot of things, but Mamadou deserves a lot of credit for staying positive, keeping a positive attitude, and just really working to get better and helping this basketball team win. Um, he really came in there, and they, they went to that 1-3-1 zone, and Mamadou was bouncing around and energetic, and I think he really energized the team with, with you know, not only that three, but also um, his defense. Uh, speaking of that, Zach Harvey. Zach Harvey came in, and once again, um, I believe it was Zach Harvey's birthday, too, against Wichita State. And also, he's from that area. I think he's from Topeka. So he's from not far away from, from Wichita. So I think he knows a lot of those players. So he's probably a little more amped up. So you've got guys you know you're playing against that get you hyped up. It's your birthday. You're hyped up. Big game. You're hyped up. So Zach had all the ingredients to have a good game uh 13 minutes eight points um five rebounds um zach's just coming in and doing his job man and he's doing it very very well um i think he's the reason in some cases this basketball team has won some games just um what he's been able to come in and, and do especially defensively uh javen cumberland he played 27 minutes uh nine points um you know you know what's so funny about javen is people question his shot selection but Javen is a tough shot maker he takes tough shots he's fading away off one foot he's off balance this is how he's always been that's what he's comfortable doing I think he's I think he's almost more comfortable shooting off balance shots than catching it with his feet squared up and like having time to shoot so um and I, I would I'm, I'm telling you I'd really like to see Javen get up more threes like shoot more i mean it would really open up this basketball team and, and and finding ways to get him open get him some more shots moving forward because we all know 
If there's if there's one thing that we can point to with with Jaron Cumberland this year is he has really focused in on being a very good passer facilitator. He's getting the ball in the right places to the right people. So if you got Jaron, you know, arguably your 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 best player on the court trying to get it to your most athletic player on the court in Keith Williams, your best pure shooter in Javon Cumberland. And he's doing all that. Um, I just, listen, I, I'm a half, I'm a glass half full guy. And I just, I still have so much confidence in this basketball team. You know, I sit here and I'm, I'm looking right at their roster. And I'm like, Zach Harvey, he gives good minutes. Javon Cumberland can be one of the best shooters in college basketball when he wants to. Um, Jaron Cumberland, one of the best players in college basketball. Micah Adams-Wood, consistent, can handle the basketball. Keith Williams, athletic. Big Chris, when he gets the ball down low in certain spots, he's tough to stop. Trey Scott, consistent. Double-double guy, great leadership. And if leadership was a category on the statistical sheet, Trey Scott would be averaging a triple-double every single game. Points, rebounds, leadership. I still have a lot of faith in this team. And I don't think it's too late for this team to turn a corner. Um, I really do. So, you know, college basketball and just young people in general, you, sometimes you just never know. You, you never know what you're going to get on a consistent basis. So this Bearcat basketball team could easily turn this, um, this whole thing into a very, very good direction. And it starts with playing at Houston. So they beat Wichita State. Great win. It's over with. Get some rest. And, and the great thing about – listen to how their schedule plays out. All right. Played Wichita State on Sunday, February 23rd. They don't play Houston until March 1st, next Sunday. So they got all that time to rest. So, you know, as a coach, you have to look at that. Okay, what do we do? Do we give them a couple days off? Do we go watch film? How much, how much court time do we need? So there's all those things that the coaches have to massage through and make sure that their guys are prepared for Houston. You don't want to give them too much rest to where they're, they're comfortable, they start to get out of shape. Um, but you want to have them prepared, but you want to have them healthy and ready to go. That, back to that mental fatigue. You don't want to have that. I like that we've got some time between the Wichita State and the Houston game. I think we can go down there and beat Houston. They're coming off a loss to Memphis. Um, so, listen, this Bearcat team is capable of going down there and beating Houston. They've got to play well. Is this the game they put together two halves where they play elite defense? the first half, second half, play well offensively. They've shown they can do it. Now they just have to go out and do it. And no better time than right now. So here's my prediction. They go and beat, they go down and beat Houston. I think they're going to play well, got some rest. Then they go and travel and play South Florida and Tampa. And they played them on Tuesday. So you go Sunday to Tuesday. So they don't come back home. They go from Houston right to South Florida, um, play South Florida. Um, once again, that's one of those games that I think is always um, it's a tricky one, right? So um, if they're fortunate enough to beat Houston, you've beaten Wichita State, you've beaten Houston. And I think in some ways everyone's going to go, oh, they're in, they're in the NCAA tournament. Guys start to relax, feel comfortable. They can't do that. They've got to go out and put South Florida away early. Knock them out. They can go and do that. Come home. I'm telling you right now, 
that Temple game at home, March 7th, senior night. I think it's Wear Red Night. That place is going to be bonkers. That place is going to be going crazy. We'll be on a three-game, yeah, three-game winning streak. Should be at that point in the NCAA tournament. Um, crowd should be pumped up. Guys should be energized. Come out there, and, and we just we we got to put it on Temple. I think that puts us in a good position. Then a little bit a little bit of rest, a little bit of downtime in the American Championship start. So conference tournament time down in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I always worry about the the conference tournaments because it's just it's such a it's always an odd thing. You come off putting so much into the regular season and then you transition into a, a conference tournament where in some cases it means a lot, sometimes it doesn't. Um, for some teams, it's like if we don't win the conference tournament, we're not getting an NCAA tournament. I hope that's not the case for the Bearcats because that puts a lot of pressure on them to, to win that. Um, but it's also a case, too, if the Bearcats – you know, went out the regular season and they've solidified a spot in the NCAA tournament, the American tournament becomes a little less important maybe in some people's eyes and they lose a little bit of that motivation. Um, I'd hate to see that happen. Um, and in a, in, a, in a perfect world, it would be great to see them win the next three games regular season and go win the American championship. Uh, the finals, I believe, are March 15th. But uh, that's that's tough to do. That'd be great to see that. That'd be great to see them um, have this confidence. But they've been so inconsistent over time. I, I'm not sure they're capable of at this point doing that. But I really feel they're capable of winning out these next three games in the regular season conference or regular season uh, games before conference tournament. Um, all right, let me give out my. Beast of the Week award, and this should be this should be simple. I feel like I've given it to him before, and that's my guy, Trey Scott. Trey Scott gets the Beast of the Week award because of this. Listen to this stat: in four games, Trey Scott played 172 minutes. Let me repeat that. Trey Scott played 172 minutes in a four-game stretch. You could look around the NCAA at every Division I team, and I guarantee you will not find another player who's played 172 minutes in a four-game stretch. I, I bet some Jordans on that, and I'm sure once people hear that, they're going to do some research. But uh, – and, and there are not so many teams that play four overtime games, one being a double OT and Trey just doesn't come out. He's just consistent. He's a beast, hence the Beast of the Week award. Um, but probably even more so is his leadership. You know, um, I've talked about that before. I'll talk about it again. I'm going to continue to talk about it. Trey Scott's leadership skills will be missed next year. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm on record in saying I think we're going to see a really good Bearcat basketball team next season. Um, because I think some of the recruits that are coming in, some of the guys that are coming back, John Brandon kind of having his legs under him with an, another year with his system in place. I think we're going to see a very good product next year, but what's really going to hurt is losing Trey Scott. Of course it's going to hurt losing Jaron Cumberland. Trust me, it will. But I'm telling you, Trey Scott and what he does 
leadership-wise, points-wise, um, definitely will be will be missed with this basketball team uh, next season. So that's what I have right now. Um, hey, I got a couple things that I do want to accomplish. Uh, I'm going to get back and, and and come back with another podcast uh, very soon to kind of recap these the Houston USF and uh, Temple game, but. Also want to knock out another interview coming soon. I've reached out to a couple former players, um, got a couple on deck. Um, and keep in mind, too, as we get towards the end of the season, um, I want to keep doing this podcast all the way till next season, just keep doing it. But I think I'm not going to have, obviously, a lot of game content, but I do want to have um, a lot of interviews, former players, um, a lot of different people associated with the Bearcat program on so people could hear some unique stories and there, there are tons of them and I have them I've talked to a lot of people so I think that'll be exciting for um, our fan base so with that being said you can always follow me on social media Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M I'm on Facebook LinkedIn Snapchat all those good things and listen I'm just going to say this. My Bearcats are going to put together three more games. Three more games. And they're going to be dancing. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm putting this positive energy out there. Speaking it into existence. All right? So, that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats. Bearcats.